eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And welcome back, folks, to another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. A little bit of a holiday break that we went on, a holiday hiatus. Michigan basketball wasn't on a hiatus, though. Uh, Played over the holiday break and played really well. Pushed their record uh, to now 9-0, undefeated the Wolverines, the only undefeated team in the Big Ten, now a top-10 team. And glad to be back with you in the new year. I'm glad to be back with my man, my guy, Tim McCormick, former Michigan basketball standout, NBA first-round draft pick, and now doing great things on the broadcast trail, both with Fox Sports Detroit covering the Pistons, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, and, of course, on this podcast. Tim, Happy New Year, my man. Happy New Year. I um, I hope you had a great holiday. I know you spent some time with your family, and it's it's a, a just a great time to recharge. So, and and one of the one of the things that really got me excited over the holidays, um, I, I think it's a time for reflection and appreciation, and looking forward to the new year. Um, I'm tired of twenty twenty, right? And I'm I'm ready ready for good stuff coming. As I reflect on the Michigan basketball team, and I'm I'm proud of all the things they've accomplished. Um, one of only four teams in college basketball that are undefeated as we speak now. You've got Gonzaga, uh, I think the best team in the country. Baylor, uh, I'm a big fan of Scott Drew, and I, I think he's really a good teacher of his own defense. And then I haven't seen them play, but Drake is undefeated. Um, so, you know, that's um, that's some pretty good company overall. And 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 one of the other things that that's pretty, pretty um, exciting about Michigan is that they, unlike a lot of teams, have not been shut down due to COVID. Uh, it takes some luck. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not saying it's all skill, but um, it, more important, I think it takes a, a family commitment from the players and the coaches and the trainers and the managers. Like one guy can screw everything up for everybody else. You know, there, there's a lot of contact in the outside world and and the Michigan basketball players and their their family um, especially John, Juwan Howard for for his extraordinary leadership. They deserve a ton of credit, and and it makes me happy to to see they've done so well. Yeah, you talk about you know deserving a lot of credit, and I, I really like to brag on you, Tim. Uh, I, I do it on the radio. I do it with uh, with friends and colleagues when I talk about your calls. You know the things that you see before other people see them, as far as. Uh, the basket, the game of basketball is concerned, and basketball, especially as it relates to Michigan. In our last podcast, we spent a lot of time, as we did, you know, in that first stretch of the season, about spent a lot of time on Franz Wagner. And while Franz had shown some, I mean, look, it's not like he played poorly. I mean, he was, he was, I think, impressive in how his lack of scoring 
early in the season. It didn't impact him the other aspects of his game. You know, he played the other end. He was unselfish with the basketball. Uh, he rebounded the basketball like he always does. He did all those things. But he wasn't scoring. He wasn't looking like, hey, this guy's going to be a lottery pick. And you said, just wait. I see all these things that he, he needs to improve, he needs to get better at, but it's coming. Franz Wagner is going to have a breakout game versus Nebraska. That was what you said to me in our last podcast. Franz Wagner is going to have a breakout game against Nebraska. And that is exactly what happened. He goes out 20 points, nine boards, the Wolverine, nine for 16 from the field in 34 minutes, has a game that seems to have propelled him you know, into a, a phase now where he's really rolling. Now he's looking like that guy that we expected to see heading into the season. And I'm curious what you saw. What did you see in Franz Wagner or Nebraska? What had you heard that let you know that this was going to be a moment for Franz? Well, first of all, I really appreciate you pointing that out. And there, there were two things that, that made me feel that Nebraska was a breakout game. Um, number one, I've been watching him play since he was in high school, and I know how talented he is. And somebody with, with that skill set is not going to stay down very long. Um, number two, I think that the biggest thing that was affecting him is that John Teske was a perimeter center. And he was he was out there spacing the court. He was a good ball mover. He was good in the screen game. Um, but the, the, the big difference is I saw that, that whereas um, Teske was outside, Hunter Dickinson patrols the lane. He's right down there in the low post. And his man covering him, probably a shot blocker, is there too. And one of the strengths of Franz's game was that ability to put the ball on the floor one or two times and then really you know, use the Euro step, really extend out. And he got a lot of layups. And he wasn't getting those early. And so I felt like Nebraska's defense is pretty much perimeter oriented. And I don't like their pick and roll defense. And I, I think that they've got one or two decent defenders, but it, but they're not cohesive. They lack chemistry because there's so many transfers. I just didn't think that they'd be able to keep Franz out of the lane. And once he makes a couple of layups, his threes will start coming. And so um, that's why I thought that he would play well. And I hope that just jump starts him the rest of the year. Yeah, he since then, and we will get into these games specifically, but he, he goes out against Maryland, uh, 19 points. You know, shot a little bit better from three, three for seven from three-point range in that game. And then, uh, you know, his lowest scoring game in that three-point set uh, against Northwestern still had 14 points on four for 10 shooting, but it was the all-around game. The 14 points, the 10 boards, the five assists, the five blocks, Tim. Uh, And he is rapidly, uh, as far as the commentary across the country, getting a lot of credit as one of those two-way guys, as one of those guys that can defend multiple positions on, you know, as, as far as he, he matches up with Pete Nance, you could throw him on a guard. You, you know, obviously he can guard wings because he has such great length. He has good quickness for his size. Uh, he is getting the recognition, again, that we expected him to get, at least for, for this window, right here and right now. And it, it really feels like you can see it you can see it in him. He just looks more confident on the floor right now. And to take it one step further, we're seeing it. We're appreciating it. I talked to a couple of friends that are NBA scouts, and they they rave about his potential. You know, he's an NBA player. There's no question in my mind. And and it's his versatility that really separates him. The NBA today, and if you if you watch it close, 
teams are really looking for their players to be able to cover multi positions. And who in the Big Ten is more capable of that than Franz? Um, he doesn't have the girth right now to to be able to cover a Blake Griffin, for instance. He would get punished inside. But he's going to add strength and size. He actually grew another inch this year. And and he has the footwork and the length to be able to to keep a Chris Paul in front of him. You know, not not for long, but long enough that that you can you can slow their offense. And so that versatility is going to carry him a long way. Yeah, it was. I was wondering if you had talked to Phil Martelli because he offered he he offered up you know after the Nebraska game in that same window before the Maryland game. He offered up some commentary on Franz that was, you know, kind of seeing and saying the same thing as you. He said, look, the guy who I expect to really turn it on. He said, you know, we got a lot of, we got, what, four guys in double figures, probably going to have five guys averaging double figures. But every team needs a star, Phil said. Every team needs, I'm a firm believer, every team needs a star. And I look at Franz as the guy most capable of being that for this team. And that's obviously recognizing that Hunter has been outstanding. He said, you know, Franz is the guy that when you're on the road, when he said, when you get a little blood on your lip, the battles are going on, who's the guy? And he said, to me, it's got to be Franz Wagner. He's the guy that I think can and will take that step. And so far, both of you guys have been on point, Tim. Yeah, I, if um, if Phil Martelli says it, I feel good to be in that company for sure. <laughs> hey, Sam, can, can, I, can I add one other piece? Absolutely. Um, you know, we talked – a little bit earlier about how well um, Michigan has done managing COVID, not just basketball, but throughout the athletic department. I want to put something in perspective. I had sort of a revelation uh, this weekend. I was scheduled to broadcast three Atlantic 10 games for NBC from their studios. I'm not actually going to the site. So I was in New York and I had two games scheduled on Saturday and one game on Sunday. Um, St. Louis and UMass, really good game. All of a sudden, two days beforehand, postponed due to COVID. Um, Davidson versus VCU, a game I was really fired up about. Um, Bob McKillop was going for a 600th win. Kellen Grady is a, a pro prospect. All of a sudden, Friday, postponed due to COVID. Um, I went through the college basketball schedule over the last weekend. 48 college basketball games were canceled or postponed. And I would expect in the new two, next two weeks, because of all the holiday travel, I think it's going to get worse. And so I am, I'm really, really hopeful that Michigan basketball can continue its great work. And, and I'm, I'm optimistic that this is a special season and, and that's a big part of it. So um, thanks for letting me share that. It just kind of blew me away. How many teams are having their worlds rocked on a regular basis? Yeah. You, I think it's important that you know that it requires a little bit of luck as well. Yes. You, you got a lot of, a lot of programs and a lot of, student athletes in the programs doing everything that they can they can do to mitigate the risk and yet COVID is all around us I mean it's run rampant through this through this country you see it in the case numbers and the number of deaths and so there's a certain part of this that is is just hard to avoid so you it does require some luck but doing your part doing everything that you can to mitigate the risk and we see a number of programs and certainly Michigan Michigan is absolutely doing that and we see that across the across the board in the athletic department and definitely with the basketball team under Jawan Howard's leadership and I want to go there Tim because another striking thing to me in watching these last three games especially the last two especially with Maryland and Northwestern 
to hear the commentary about Jawan Howard. I mean, it was striking to me hearing Dan Dockage say, hey, Michigan was one of the best coach teams in the country under John Beeline. And he said they are, again, one of the best coach teams in the country under Jawan Howard. And I think it was an important distinction to make because when Jawan was hired, I think the, the automatic you know, kind of response in a lot of people was, Tim, that, hey, Jawan's going to be, he's going to be able to recruit. He's going to be a player's coach. But, uh, you know, we, we'll see about the X's and O's. We'll see about the, the coaching acumen and the adjustments. Not really giving much credit or lending much credence to the experience he got under Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley with the Miami Heat. But now, now when you see how well they're playing and some of the adjustments that they made. I mean, you think about the adjustment with Franz Wagner or Pete Nance. There's a lot of time spent on that. He's mm-hmm. starting to get the recognition across the board that, hey, man, this guy is a pretty damn good coach, too. Hmm. Fresh topic. I, I like this one, Sam. Uh, and and I want to do my breakdown here um, by focusing on all the football coaching news with Jim Harbaugh. Um, it, it makes me even more proud of Juwan Howard as a coach, because when you, when you watch the bench during Michigan's games, you sure do. That, yep. that's always a sign of a healthy team from a chemistry standpoint. I mean, those guys are having so much fun and I have to be honest, if, if I was on the bench, it would be really hard for me to be that enthusiastic, but maybe I've never been part of a culture like Juwan Howard has because those kids, um, they're, they're bought in and they're together. So back to your, you know, your point about what Dan Dockage said, um, you know, I, I was hearing the same things. He's such a talented recruiter, such a wonderful representative of the school, so widely respected by his peers and his players. Now, all of a sudden, they're saying, whoa, this team is really good from an X's and O's standpoint. <laughs> right. They're well prepared. They're on and on and on. Um, I see a team that has improved since the Oakland game. And this might, might sound crazy. The, the most important game on the Pistons, on the Pistons, I've been doing too many Pistons games. The most important thing on the, the most important game on the Michigan schedule was Oakland, um, because look, you you've got talented players um, that that have NBA dreams and and they're they're you know they're they're playing in a pandemic and it's easily distractible and and what happened was that Oakland game gave them some video and it gave them a wake up call. And, and it showed them the flaws that they've been getting better at. And, and I will say this, if, if Michigan would have beaten Oakland by, by 40 points, which they probably should have, the players would, would not have bought in like they have. Um, they probably would be ranked in the top five right now, and everybody would be singing their praises. But Juwan and his staff have the Oakland game to keep going back to. Yeah. And, and there's a couple of things that I've seen um, that, that they still can improve on. Um, number one, their three-point defense, still not great. Um, Northwestern was the best job I've seen from them. And what, what they're doing is they're contesting shots without fouling. And, and that's a hard thing to do. So that, that's the first one to watch. Um, also, I believe Michigan's guards really struggle to get by their man off the dribble, uh-huh. especially Smith and Brooks. Smith's getting a little bit better. But, but they are not great one-on-one drivers. And I think that potentially could cost them against Iowa or Illinois or Wisconsin. But against Northwestern, they had some really good misdirection stuff using screens. 
Um, I like the middle pick and roll with Hunter. Mm -hmm. It's something to keep an eye on. And then, Sam, the the third thing, which I think is going to be a concern the rest of the year, is that Michigan is becoming too reliant on Hunter Dickinson. Um, Remember, he played the whole second half against Maryland. And Juwan said, look, I I can't take this guy off the court. And, And he's facing more double teams. And when he leaves the court, Michigan is prone to scoring droughts. And that is, that's an incredible amount of pressure for a freshman. He's great. He's consistent. And it's a lot to ask. And I just worry about the fact that there's going to be a game when he's not he's not able to deliver. And I worry about what's going to happen. Yeah, I think it's a, a great point. A couple of things. Uh, you know, you wonder, wonder what the status of big country is. It's number one. Uh, Austin mm-hmm. Davis. And then number two, a guy that we've talked about here, having some flashes at moments, but hasn't been able to find consistency off the bench. And, and Michigan really, really needs it from him. And that's Brandon Johns. Uh, you know, just obviously has a lot of talent. Hit a three. Uh, we saw in the last game, you know, he has some he has a, a good stroke going back to high school, but just hasn't been able to give them, uh, you know, any con- anything in the way of consistent minutes to back Hunter up so far. And that's, you know, as you look for things to improve upon for this team, that's that to me is what you look at. Hopefully they can get Austin Davis back some sometime soon. But in the interim, can Brandon Johns really step his game up? <laughs> that's that's a good question. And I, I will say this in Brandon Johns' defense. Um, my, my first five years in the NBA, I was a starting center. And life was good. It was fun. It was easy. You're out there. You're just making plays. You're not worried about anything. Then I had a, a devastating knee injury. My last five years, I was a backup center to Akeem Olajuwon, Moses Malone, and Patrick Ewing. And it was the hardest job to, to back somebody that is rolling and is a star to, to back them up. Mm-hmm. And so I totally know what Brandon Johns is, is doing. Um, I think that he has vast potential. I think he's going to have some, some, some very important games in which he impacts Michigan. And and so I I am not down on him at all, and and I, I I just encourage him to play with as much energy as you possibly can because it's hard to to play behind a star player at the center position. Yeah, it, and it's crazy that we're talking about that with with Hunter Dickinson. We spend so much time on the podcast at this point, raving about what an awesome start he's off to, uh, and now just like we're hearing the national recognition for Jawan. You're hearing the the national Big Ten pundits, uh, national pundits say, "Hey, this isn't just one of the best freshmen in the Big Ten or country. This is one of the best big men. Period. One of the best big, you know, not just to forget the class. He is performing like one of the better players in conference, better big men in the country, and that is lofty praise. Oh, but to, yes. to your other point, though, Tim, are you becoming over reliant? And I was actually a little bit heartened in the last game." Northwestern spent time. Their focus was we are going to take Hunter Dickinson out of this game, whether that's running a double team at him or or throwing some zone out there. You we are not going to let Hunter Dickinson beat us. And to, I I thought that whether it's Shondi Brown coming off the bench gunning, uh, you know you had you had your your wings, even Eli Brooks, who you know has been a little up and down with this scoring. All the other guys. Seem to step and it goes without saying with, with with Franz Wagner. All the other guys seem to really step up when I think Northwestern thought they were going to throw Michigan off kilter with all that focus on on Hunter Dickinson uh, and Michigan. I thought at least in that game adjusted really well. 
Hunter missed a layup or two, and I know you saw it too. <laughs> I was thinking, wait a second, what, what's going on here? And 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 it it didn't phase him. He he is so rock solid. Um, you know, missing a couple of free throws, no big deal. He still produces, and there's so much to love. I'm in awe of his skill and his passion, his reliability, the sheer power he has, and the numbers are just unprecedented. And he's going to face bigger and better players mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. But I believe he's ready, and 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 he is, you know, only one. He's the only Big Ten freshman this century to score in double figures and shoot fifty percent in his first nine games. No one else, and and he doesn't show any signs of slowing down. And I'm going to tell you, I cannot wait to see Hunter and Kofi Coburn from Illinois. That is going to be a battle. And Sam, I've been thinking a little bit about this. I am. I gave you my all Big Ten team before Christmas. I've revised it, and and, and I think I may share it with you. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm wondering, uh, you know, if if Michigan has some some representation on it. But man, it's it's impressive to to see. I mean, I think about Shondi Brown, uh, the the wings for Michigan. I mean, he can step up and and get you 14. But I remember, I mean, there are a couple of games recently where he had a couple of goose eggs up there. So it was great to see him be able to come right back and and give them some punch off the bench. And Chris Collins sort of that was kind of his remark. He said, "Man, they have so many guys that are so many weapons that are capable of of rising up and and scoring on you if another one is down." Uh, now this was maybe the first time and that we've seen it with with Hunter. And and it's important to note Hunter eventually got his. I mean, the guy went yeah. on he went on to lead him in scoring. I'm talking about early in the game how it looked, but eventually it came back around. To, uh, to getting his because they just couldn't stop Michigan elsewhere on the floor. But, I mean, their wings, yeah. Tim, their wings, Michigan's wings are a tough cover when you look at the versatility they could come at with, come at with, with teams with those guys. Well, Livers and Wagner are, are both NBA players someday. I, I believe that. They're balanced two-way guys, and they hold the key to Michigan's success, uh, not only in the Big Ten race but the NCAA tournament. I know that that Hunter Dickinson is their best player, but 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 those two are the key. Um, and as we talked about, Franz, Franz was just okay earlier, um, but his defense has been good against everyone and against Northwestern. He was a game changer. He was on a roll, and I expect that can, to continue. Um, and and then also when when you think about Isaiah, he can score double figures in his sleep. And, and I, I'd like to see him play more in attack mode. Um, you know, Mi- Michigan really lacks that alpha dog score. And I think Isaiah has the mindset as a leader, as a senior captain, as a guy that started in the national championship game as a freshman. I, I think he has the potential to be that guy. When you go into assembly hall, everybody just feels like, we're going to be okay because Zay is with us and he's, he's that kind of guy. And I don't know if he's necessarily um, totally embraced that, but, but I think that, that the barometer for Isaiah livers is his free throw attempts. That, that, that's what I judge when he's on his game, he's driving, he's drawing contact. He's got the ball in his hands. I'm such a big fan of his. And, and I, I think he's capable of more. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a, a piece of his game that he was focused on adding to his arsenal to to be able to put it on the deck and be more consistent as a threat getting downhill. We know he can shoot it. Uh, that is, again, evident this season with him 
shooting 40% from three-point range right now. Like you said, he can score double figures in his sleep. But is is it going to be a consistent part of his game, being able to attack the rim? Because it's I think it connects connects back to a point you made earlier in the podcast where you talked about, hey, Michigan's guards aren't great at you know getting leverage themselves. They get, they get leverage on defenses with ball screens, and so that means in in one on one situations, the situations where you aren't. It's not two-man game. You just say, you know, attack, go get me a bucket or get to the free throw line. Who are those guys going to be? Probably not Michigan's guards. Uh, you're looking at you're looking at Franz, who uh, really seems to be getting more comfortable attacking the rim. You're looking at Shondi Brown, who that, that I think, one of the most surprising things about this team, I mean, that's what we expected from him coming in. I mean, what, what was the book on Shondi Brown coming into him? It wasn't he was this three-point gunner. I mean, that's been a revelation. It was the, He's a guy that's going to be able to get downhill and get to the rim, so I think he's a guy that you can look to for that. And I think I agree with you. I think the other piece needs to be Isaiah Livers because he it, it, he's an impressive athlete. And so whether it's with quickness or with strength, it, it seems like he's a guy that as he becomes more aggressive is going to be more successful, is going to have some success at getting guys on his hip and getting downhill and getting to the rim or, or the free throw line. Yeah, and I want him to be healthy. He deserves a great finish to his senior year. Um, I know he it looked like he twisted his ankle a little bit, and those are the type of things that can linger. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep a close eye on him against Minnesota because I think he's going to be I, – I, just as I, I said that Franz is going to have the breakout against Nebraska, um, I, I see Isaiah Livers having the breakout against Minnesota. Well, that is a great intro into our guest this week on the podcast, Isaiah Livers. And, you know, it, it, it's the, the part for me that's interesting about him and interesting about this team. When you have this many weapons, when you have a emerging star that's a freshman, it, I mean, the, the role definition and how, how things shift and figuring out what your contribution is going to be. I mean, that's a process – for everyone, including a veteran like Isaiah Livers. And that's one of the things that I'm excited to get a chance to talk to him about, Tim. He's a leader. He um, he loves the University of Michigan. He's a great student. He's well-spoken. And, and I think he's got a long and productive career as a basketball player on the professional level after he leaves Michigan. But I, I think that when you listen to him talk, you, you will be immensely impressed. All right. So we'll take this quick break. And then on the other side, we'll come back with Isaiah Livers. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We are back here on the Michigan Basketball Insider. Pleased to be joined by the guy who leads the way for the Wolverines this year, a senior, a leader, 
a guy who we watched in his high school basketball career as a Mr. Basketball coming here to the University of Michigan, talking about Isaiah Livers. Zay, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for, for joining us. No, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Yeah, we're um we're we're really proud of you and we're we're excited to talk to you. Think about this resume. Captain at Michigan, four-year starter, undefeated top ten team. You've got some NBA dreams going on. Um, ranked opponents are lined up for the next 10 weeks. What's your mindset in the home stretch of your college career? Um, honestly, I just take it day by day. Uh, Coach Howard has a good, a great phrase called win the day. So we won today in practice, and now we have our game at home against Minnesota, and you just try to focus on winning that day. So it's kind of like I try to just take it day by day. Don't want to look too far ahead. Uh, I just want to just stay locked into the now. One of the things, Isaiah, that, that fans don't understand, understand is the sacrifice you and the rest of the guys in the program have made, the isolation, um, all the fun activities and the sacrifices that you make. And I know there are mental wellness challenges. I mean, it's, it's hard. What's a typical day like for you playing in a pandemic? And, and, and can you talk a little bit about the, the challenges? Yeah, uh, just speaking about the challenges alone, just uh, think about the underclassmen. You know, those guys, they haven't experience like a college campus culture because you know no students are here everybody's isolated wearing masks which is different like you said no fun and like an average day uh wake up early in the morning we have to get tested we get tested six out of the seven days a week uh this whole break i think we get tested seven days a week uh we do that um we go we lift you guys get shots up you guys stretch you know see the trainer get ready for practice around 11 or noon practice for about three to four hours go over go over other people's sets, you know, go through like our opponent that's coming up and obviously work on ourselves. After that, uh, treatment, shooting, uh, and then it's back to mask. Uh, we go right home. We have to stay isolated because you don't want to be the, you don't want to be that guy to just uh, have a disturb in the program. So everybody's just safe, walking on eggshells and just getting ready for the next day. Uh, no, no frat parties, no sorority girls, <laughs> no, you know, nope. can't even go to the library and study. Nope. A lot of, the, a lot of the great things on a college campus. Um, you give up. Yeah, it's 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 tough, but you know, you just try to keep you get, really just got to keep the young guys locked in. I know my older guys are going to be good with me, but just got to keep the younger guys locked in, and they're doing they're doing a fantastic job. Yeah, it, it's crazy. It seems like just yesterday that you were one of those young guys, Zay. I mean, <laughs> you know, you go through you go through everything that you're going through this season. I know it seems like man, it's a a whole lot that you're that, uh-huh. that's packed into the here and now. But it was just a few years ago that you guys were playing on Monday night. You know, as a as a freshman, I, I wonder have you even in the moment with everything you're going through, have you had a had a chance to to reflect to see how far how far you've come over the the few years and now you're the leader of the Michigan basketball team? Man, it's not, I wouldn't say every day, but every other week maybe I remind myself like me and Eli actually will sit in the locker room and we'll talk about how we were both freshmen and just that road that that season alone, how how we learned so much. Uh, going all the way, like you said, going to Monday tip off. I, I tipped off, like I I jumped ball on Monday night, so that was just something I still think about a lot. And obviously, we didn't get the outcome we wanted, but you know, come with experiences, you learn from it. I think uh, the guys who were there and they were scarred, the guys who got to come back, learned a lot from it. And Michigan culture, actually, we build off that. Uh, that still, it still hurts to talk about, but you know, like we said, we. Live and learn, move on past it. But yeah, I'm, I'm one of the older guys now, and I'm, I'm happy to lead this, this young team. You came into the year, I remember vividly. You said, "Hey, you're going to see a different Isaiah this year." What What did you mean by that? And have those 
have those differences emerged yet from your view, from your perspective? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, um, I'm doing everything confidently. I'm bringing the ball up, just trying to score at all three levels. Coach Howard trusts me in ball screens. He's He gives me the green light, lets me go out there and play basketball. So other than that, it's, it's more of just having that senior leadership mindset. So going out there and just, you know, trying to dominate every night. Zay, you mentioned the senior leadership mindset. Um, I remember my senior year was such a, a challenge, just, um, you know, the uncertainty with after college. Uh, would I get drafted? Would I play overseas? Um, you know, G League, and it wasn't around them, but there, it was just real yeah. distraction. How do you stay focused on team and not look ahead to all the good things that are coming down the road for you? Yeah, it's definitely something tough to think about. You obviously want to think long term, but I try to like like uh, like I said earlier, is think about short term. So I try to think about every day of how I can make myself make myself a better ball player to play on the next level. You know, so I think about it like that way. So every day I treat it as you know, just be better myself, and then the long term goals will come. Yeah, everybody is really excited about the undefeated start, and and there's been a lot of praise thrown around, but. I'd like to hear, put on your coaching hat, what are some areas uh-huh. that this Michigan team has to improve? You're, you're not where you want to be at. Uh, number one is turnovers, uh, especially early game. Early game, we have uh, some uh, careless mistakes, I'd say. Guys are just super ready or guys are super anxious. But other than that, just come out and just take care of the ball early. That way we won't have to come in halftime and just focus on turnovers and you know walk on eggshells out there so we can come back in that second half. We can just... Go play basketball. But, yeah, I'd say that's probably our number one. And, obviously, number two could always be just communication out there on the court. Uh, we did a great job. I remember early non-conference, we'd watch film, and guys were just uh, confused on who to switch with and who not to switch with. And I feel like we cleaned that up. Coach Staff did a great job of drilling us. So we, get, we got ready for the Big Ten Conference, and I feel like we're, be- we're getting better in that area, but definitely turnovers. Early. You know, we, Tim and I, one of the things, and we aren't the only ones that feel this way, but that Oakland – games that you go back to it overtime game yeah. i mean it, the the pundits are treating it like you guys lost it i mean they took you out of the rankings after that after that yeah, game yeah, but no, I, I've seen that. I, I wonder though if if it was as significant as we think it was on the outside we watch that game and feel like it was maybe an early spark for you guys say hey you know we really need to tighten up on xyz yeah. was it was it was it really that impactful uh internally Not, for you guys yeah sam you and tim definitely you guys watch basketball a long time, so you understand a lot about the game. A lot of the outsiders, you know, all they care about is, oh, overtime with Oakland. I mean, I'm not saying Oakland's not a good team, but obviously if we cleaned up and sharpened up, like, our sets, our defensive, our, like, our communication, our talking, turnovers, we wouldn't have been in that situation. But like you said, it, it was a great early test, a great early start, and we're off to a great start. So, you know, all you can do is learn from your mistakes. I remember, and I'm sure you do too. There was they made this big deal about you know you and Jawan going back back and forth. You know there was a, a fiery exchange, and it was this yeah. this big deal that I, I felt like it was more was made of that than it needed to be. You know you got Jawan challenging the team leader, yes. And I, I yes. felt like now I, I tried to put myself in in your shoes, which I could never uh-huh. do. But I I tried to say I think if I'm Isaiah, I look at that and say, okay, coach and I we vibe. You know I, maybe I need to pick some things up, but I also see. Oh, yeah him getting on me to send a message to the rest of the team as well. And I'm curious yes, if, if that's how you interpreted it in the moment. Yes, definitely in the moment. Uh, we're both very competitive type of people. Um, he challenged me. I challenged him right back. You know, that's that's our relationship. We go we go back and forth. And then 
literally the next conversations laughs and smiles and we're sitting there shaking up that's just how it goes but definitely i after i reacted i'm not happy with the way i reacted but then again like we said you learn from it and then it goes to show i think it does show a message to the team that this is serious. this is college basketball this stuff is serious but that's i think it was a message for the young guys too mm-hmm. to see that this is college basketball so welcome to college basketball and that's Kind of what I explained to them in the locker room literally after that game. I was just sitting there talking with a couple of the freshmen, talking about, uh, yeah, if you're a freshman, obviously you keep your mouth shut and shake your head to the coach. But me and coach, we have a history, a relationship, and that's just how we go at each other. And maybe maybe T. Will, maybe Hunter, you know, they might get to that someday. But it's definitely a message that you can't come out and play with these, non, uh, these non-conference games. And leadership is fun to follow. And what, what I saw is Juwan went at his best player. And, uh-huh. and he sent the message that that I don't have any prima donnas on this team. I'm going to call out what I see. And sure. and, and he knew you could take it, too. Um, from a leadership standpoint, Teske and Simpson are gone. They had an admirable career um, as a captain. What exactly does it take to be a captain? What you know, what is your role different this year as a captain? Oh, it's sacrifices. You know how we've been talking about next level stuff, obviously, NBA aspirations, uh, I can't think about that stuff. Like that's not that's not something that should be number one on my mind. I'm focused on the now and I'm focused on leading my team because I have to sacrifice. You know, like I can't be the one that's not speaking up or be quiet when things are going wrong. I'm the guy who has to step up, direct, tell places, tell people where they're supposed to be, and direct them, and just be there for them. Be that guy off the court that's always there for them. And I felt I've, I've done a pretty good job at that. Maybe you could ask some of them, but I don't know. I just want to I just want to be there and have, hope they have a great freshman season, sophomore season, whoever it is, I just want to make this a good, a good ride. Final question for me, Isaiah, um, what is the ceiling for this team? How far can you go? You, you've made that run to the championship game before. Is this team that good? I definitely agree. There's just too many options. Every, every guy plays their role to the fullest. Every guy understands their role and, you know, we want it. Uh, we worked really hard. Like you said, we had a, a very abnormal off season, preseason, whatever you want to call it. And, I think we're ready. The coach staff did a great job preparing us. Our defense is on point right now. Guys are shooting the ball very well. You know, everybody's happy. So when everybody's happy, you know, the ball's going to roll and you're going to get the outcome you want each game. You know, you mentioned you mentioned that this this team, the role definition is there. Every it's Everyone is selfless. You're really willing to be deferential. I really see that across the board. But I'm curious about you, you – specifically offensively. We know you can shoot it. You're the best shooter on the team, shooting 40% from three again. But what about your your rim attacking? What about your getting downhill? Is that yeah. something that that you want to do more of? I, it really feels like you started to to back guys down a little more. It's not always blowing by them off the bounce. <laughs> Maybe you just back them down into the post a little bit. Seems like you're doing that yeah. a little more lately as well. Yeah, you know, sometimes you don't – it's sometimes not all about, you know, attacking, getting downhill. So if they don't want, if they don't want me to do that, they want to sit in the gaps. Back them down. Me and Coach Howard went through a lot of post moves. I had a lot of post moves to my game this year. Obviously, during quarantine, I was working on it, but definitely attacking that rim is more of a priority. Uh, shot more free. I think I shot more free throws than I ever had at this early, early on point in the season. So that's something that I wanted to like do was get to the free throw line, get more of a rhythm going. You know, early especially. And you know, I just I think it's best for the team. Coach Howard told me he he loves he thinks we're at our best when we're all attacking, especially me. Because he knows, everybody knows I can shoot the ball very well. It's just about getting to that rim, finishing, or finding guys on the perimeter. And I just wondered about from a, you know, from a mindset standpoint, if if it was a mental adjustment for you. I, I sort of felt like maybe you and Franz coming into the season, 
if it was if you were going to have to say, hey, we we got to go out, we got to get things started offensively. Yep. I don't know if that was what you were thinking, but it, from the outside, it, it kind of felt that way. Now you look at it and you have so many weapons. Obviously, yep. Hunter is really doing his thing. Do you mm-hmm. do you feel like do, do you feel like that's the case where you know what it doesn't matter who it is on a given night someone's going to get started and then if they don't I can't how, what's your approach mentally when it comes uh, to these okay. games I see that so uh, Coach Howard tells me and Franz to let the game come to us we don't have to force nothing that's not there you know what I mean like we don't have to force a bad shot we got plenty of weapons around so like. Like, going off what you're saying, it doesn't have to be a specific guy. It doesn't have to be me every night. It doesn't have to be Franz every night. It doesn't have to be Big Hunt. You know, he's been very consistent. It doesn't have to be Mike, Eli, Shondi, uh, T-Will, Brandon Johns. You know, like, I can go all day about this whole team, about having their night. And Coach explained that to us at the beginning. He said, obviously, uh, that first game, you guys are going to want to all go out there and, you know, anxious. Everybody's excited. But he sat us down and said, hey. It's not going to be everybody's night. Some guys going to have 20. The other one's going to have 7, 5, 10, whatever, 2. Like, he may not even score that game, but it's okay. The next game, obviously, it's going to be a ran- It's like a random pick. Like, whoever you want. You want Mike tonight? Okay, Mike can go. Mike's going to be Mike's night. It's going to be Hunter. It's going to be Eli. It can be a variety of guys, and I think that's what makes us very dangerous. Yeah, and last one, this is this is a, a nod to my guy Tim, who said, Sam, the, the culture, you can see the culture on this team by looking at their bench. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the maze rage isn't – isn't there in the stands, but you got the maze rage on the bench, Zay. So I, where does that come from, man? I mean, is that is that a Jawan thing? Is that something that you guys bring as players uh, just naturally? Where does that come from? Oh, uh, it's honestly, uh, if you ask Coach Howard, but I'm sure he'll say the same thing. But it's the connectivity. Uh, everybody is, like you said, we had to go through a pandemic together in the off season. So that that may, I don't, if that doesn't make a team the most connected team, then I don't know what does. And we had the right approach. Uh, Obviously, we had to be smart in quarantine and stay out of people's faces. But, you know, we're a team. We get tested every day. We practice. We bump with each other every day. So hanging out, figuring out where these young guys come from, where these transfers come from, just learning about their back history. And all that does is create the brotherhood and the family. And I think Coach Howard obviously expects the energy on the bench, but I don't think he was ready for the energy that coming out of Maryland. I don't think he was ready for that energy. So that was – I think a lot of young guys had had something to do with that, especially his son. Uh, he's, he seems like the leader down there. But, hey, man, they do a great job, and I love I love to hear him. Uh, Zay, hey, man, it's been a pleasure, uh, not just this season, but your entire career to watch you grow. Uh, congratulations on rising to the point of, of captain, and good luck the rest of the way, my man. Hey, thanks, Sam. Always good to talk to you. Go Blues, Zay. See you, Tim. Go Blue. Always a pleasure, Tim, to catch up with with the guys as they as they go through it. And again, a nine and zero basketball team, and it takes complete buy in by everyone on the squad. I mean, think about it. You're a senior, as Isaiah Livers, who who put off going to the draft to come back to to boost your profile and of course help Michigan but here you've had Hunter Dickinson come up and basically be the offensive focal point on this team and that requires deference and buy-in from some of the other guys and we are seeing that from all of them including Isaiah so far I um I want to go back in time Sam because I remember as a senior at Michigan um I fought distraction throughout my entire season uh I, I couldn't help but wonder okay what will I get to go into the draft? Will I come back from my redshirt year? Will I decide to go and maybe play overseas? I, I just, I was consumed with concern about what my future looked like. And, and, and so I know the biggest thing is that you've got to, you've got to really stay focused on your team and your goals and 
and have narrow tunnel vision. Um, but if you throw COVID and a pandemic and co- potential quarantines out there, I'm sure some of his friends on the football team, they, they all talk. I am. Um, I just, I applaud Isaiah. He's having a really solid senior season. Yeah, he is. And uh, it's about to get a lot thicker for the, for the Wolverines. They're going to be facing some, some players here in the coming days and weeks. So the schedule gets back a little, we'll get into talking about this schedule sh- shortly, but I'm, I'm, intrigued before we get into talking about the schedule i'm intrigued by something you said earlier in the show about hey i I need to revise my all big 10 team and it was a pretty damn good all big 10 team that you know put the spotlight on some surprises in the early going surprises like ron harper jr surprises like marcus carr who michigan is about to see but what are the revisions to your all big 10 team tim let's let's jump into that Okay, Sam. Well, well, first, it's important that I I revisit who was on that team before. Uh, Luca Garza and Io DeSumo are obvious. They're the best players in the Big Ten. They probably were last year. Everybody knows it. Um, I I love the balance and maturity of Marcus Carr, who Michigan will see um, in Ann Arbor. That that that's that's obvious too. He he's a pick and roll star. He's great off the dribble. He's very, very solid in the assist department, so he's there. Ron Harper absolutely deserves a spot. Really good team player. Uh, Rutgers has been very, very good. And so that comes to the fifth member of my team. And the revision is, some will say I'm biased, Hunter Dickinson belongs on that team right now. The numbers are strong. They're historic across the board. His team is in first place. They're undefeated. They're top 10. And, and I know that I had Trace Jackson Davis, and, and he could end up there. He, he's having a really good year. And Kofi Coburn's numbers are almost identical to Hunter Dickinson, except for the field goal percentage. Um, but his team's not in first place, Sam. And so th- this may change a week from now, 10 days from now. I don't know. Um, but I will say right now that Hunter Dickinson needs to be on the first team all Big Ten for what he's done with his team, with the record, and the production. Tim, Hunter Dickinson is shooting 71, almost 72% from from the field. I mean, he's shooting a higher percentage from the field by a fraction, by a hundredth, couple, you know, a few hundredths of a percent. Uh, He's shooting higher from the field at 71.8% than he is from the free throw line, 71.4%. Just an amazing, amazing stat. For a guy that's you know is is receiving so much attention, uh, you know it's not like he is getting he does he's not like he's not seeing double teams and a lot more focus on him defensively. Uh, he's still able to score through it and power over it. I think you're spot on. The tests are going to get get tougher. Make no mistake. He has to yep. see Kofi Coburn. He has to see Luca Garza. I'm really interested to to kind of segue into talking about Minnesota. I'm really interested to see the matchup with uh with Liam Robbins so far who's been a a, a revelation for for Minnesota so far. Yeah, the Gophers are a pleasant surprise. They're 3 and 2 and they're in the upper half of Big 10 teams. Preseason number 11. I expected a lot of struggles without Daniel Oturu, who by the way is doing a nice job as a backup center for the LA Clippers. Not surprised by that. Um, but back to the Gophers, Marcus Carr is an all-league star, and he's a really tough matchup. Uh, very anxious to to see he and Eli Brooks go head-to-head. Um, Richard Pitino's name 
uh, at least this week is not on the hot seat list. <laughs> he's, he's 10 and two, um, top 25. They beat Iowa. They beat Michigan state. They beat Ohio state. I, I, I love Minnesota and what they do. Um, by the way, on a side note, um, I actually, I I'm a big fan of Minnesota because I went to Paisley park and went to a party at Prince's house. Long Tim ago. McCormick. Wow. One Tim McCormick party with Prince. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that on another podcast down the road. Hey, but. they say Tim, they say they say Prince can play basketball, man. Did you play basketball against Prince? So, so he would be he would be a couple inches shorter than the shortest point guard I ever saw or played against. He was a tiny little guy. Um, I, I don't think that he would have been a very good player. <laughs> um, but going from really short to really tall, um, Liam Robbins is really having a good year. He is. Uh, He's a junior. He's seven foot. He's two thirty five or two forty, um, and he's averaging fourteen and eight. And um, I don't know if you saw this. I didn't actually see the game, but I had to take a double look when I saw he had twenty seven and fourteen with five blocks against Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah, yeah. And but but let me say this, Sam. I'm not sold on Minnesota. I think Michigan beats them by ten. Um, you know, the the optics will look really good for Michigan if they win at home. But Minnesota reminds me a little bit of Northwestern from the standpoint that if you're not ready to play, they they can have a quick start and build their confidence. Um, but but if you if you if you step on them right at the beginning, I feel like they they kind of lack firepower and they'll go away. So I do like that matchup for Michigan. All right, will be interesting to see and you know give Michigan fans who haven't really watched Marcus Carr a lot. Heck of a score, and is uh, we we saw it last year. I think it was a game against Michigan State where he where he had an explode. It might have been Ohio State where he had where he just exploded for a big time scoring performance uh, last year to really announce his his arrival. Former Pitt guy coming over to to Minnesota. But uh, looking at the the Penn State game on Sunday, Tim, this was a team that played Michigan really really tough. It was a nail biter. Remember, it was like welcome to welcome to the Big Ten schedule, guys, uh, because you know Michigan they. Uh, you know they go into the break with. I mean, I think they were up by nine or ten at, at halftime, if I remember correctly. Is Penn State kind of, uh, you know, they kind of got on a little bit of went on a little bit of a run there toward the end, and then picked it up early in the second half, and it was a back and forth affair for the second half, and Michigan eventually squeezed it out by four points. But they played Michigan tough. I wonder what you think of that matchup coming up on Sunday. Well, it's going to be very difficult. Um... You know, Bryce Jordan Arena is is actually a hospitable place that <laughs> doesn't, you know, it, it's it's a, it, an easy environment. Um, and I, I think that that Jim Ferry is doing a really good job. I, I like Patrick Chambers, but um, Ferry can coach and he's got four double figure scores. Um, Isaiah Brockington. I didn't know anything about him until this season. And, and he's a darn good player. Um, Myron Jones had some big games last year. And and so I think that the key matchup is definitely going to be: um, Does Penn State have anybody that can cause resistance for Hunter Dickinson? Dickinson had twenty and seven, first time they played. Um, Michigan was not very aggressive shooting threes; they only made five. And 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 so I just I think that that Michigan is going to 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 really rely on a lot more balance. Um, Isaiah Livers was was one for seven Franz Wagner was two for five and they're both playing a lot better so if if Michigan comes out and takes it serious which I think they will they're 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 getting better um I'm not worried about Penn State either yeah let's 
before we close, Tim, let's talk about Michigan's schedule. I really felt good. I, I, you know, as far as the development of the team is concerned, when you, you know, considering that you had two transfers coming in that were going to be uh, big time rotation players, uh, that you were sort of, uh, you know, incorporating a, a freshman, wound up being a freshman impact guy. There's a lot of, of cohesion, a lot of role definition that was going to have to take place for this team. So the way that the Big Ten schedule built up on paper, where it's on paper to start out, look like, hey, you know, you're, you got some okay teams to start, but then things get really, really thick toward the back end. Literally, we know, hey, Northwestern's a better team than we expected them to, to be. Minnesota's a better team than we expected them to be. I highlight those teams because they're ranked teams, but even Penn State is a better team than we expected it to be. Uh, you look at the back end of this schedule, and boy, oh boy, it, it you mean you got Illinois, you got uh, Wisconsin, you're going to see Iowa in that mix. Uh, it does get it, it does get a lot more difficult on the back end, but I feel like this this period we're in now, where you have Minnesota, you have the Penn State game, you have Wisconsin, uh, and then you got another game at Minnesota. All that in a ten in a in a ten day stretch there, Tim. I think is great preparation for this gauntlet stretch that Michigan is going to have on the back end of the schedule. Yeah, when we um when we talked about the schedule during our preseason preseason podcast, um, we both knew that the early schedule was a time to gain some momentum and and maybe create some separation. Everybody's got to play the same schedule, basically. You know, like Michigan may not have Iowa twice, but everybody has a really difficult schedule. And the one thing that I said is that Michigan will be favored in every game until Wisconsin on January 12th, every game. And, and I still think Michigan will be favored at home and it will be a pickup game. Um, but, but I think that, that, that Michigan is, is poised to be in the top four in the big 10 at the end of the season, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, we thought they would be the best. Michigan looks just as good. And the other thing that I said is that that the Big Ten champ this year is going to have five losses. And and some people may have scoffed at that, but I still believe it's true. And if we played a neutral site round robin right now with no crowds and we had Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa, it would be an unbelievable race. And this is the order I would pick them. I think Illinois is the best team. I think Michigan is second. Wisconsin is third. And Iowa is fourth. Wow, and this is this is a an Iowa team that just went to the rack, which is a tough place to win games, especially uh, this year. Uh, with I say, especially this year, talking about the emergence of Ron Harper Jr. as a as a top tier scorer, you don't have a you know you don't have a any crowd to to contend with. But that is a a gritty team, and you just had Iowa, you know, get, go in there and get a chance to uh, pull one out, which is rare to do. So it's it's significant that you have Michigan ranked ahead of Iowa conspicuous in his absence from that mix Tim and I'm just curious what you think of what's going on with Michigan State obviously and we talk about role definition and and trying to figure out who's going to do what when you lose key cogs in your wheel we talk about that with Michigan you got to talk about it with Michigan State as they try to figure out their point guard situation that's been a real Achilles heel for them so far do you what do you think of the Spartans do you think they have the answers uh, or the answer to the you know to what ails them on the roster right now? So when I watched the Michigan Oakland game, 
I really felt like there were a lot of guys that were searching for the leader of the team. Who, who was that going to be? In the past, you knew it was Teske and it was Simpson. Michigan didn't have that against Oakland, and they really struggled. Michigan State has been looking for that same comp combination um, throughout their whole year. Because remember, the two most important positions on the court are point guard and center. The, the point guard is calling the offense. He's running the show. He's the, the infantry on defense, the first line of defense. And that, that center does all the toughness. He's in the back of the defense talking. He's controlling the boards. And, and Cassius Winston and Xavier Simpson, I'm sorry, and Xavier Tillman are, are two extremely talented leaders. And, and so I think Michigan State's biggest problem is that they have a leadership crisis at top. Yeah. Um, who's their go-to guy? Who, who's the guy that every night is locked in? I thought it might be Rocket Watts, but he's been a little bit shaky. Um, Joey Hauser, I like a lot. He's a good ball player, um, but he's first year in the program. And a lot of people thought Aaron Henry might go to the NBA. I, I just, you know, I don't love their team right now. I, I, I like their potential to play better. Um, but where we thought Michigan, Michigan State were going to be right there, even in the standings, that, that's not been the case. And right now, you would say that Michigan State is outside the top 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they are they are clinging, uh, you know, to a place in the top 25 right now. We'll see if they're able to uh, if they're able to build things back up. Obviously, Tom Izzo is a is a good coach, and we know in Michigan season, Michigan's going to get their best punch. But you got to love the way the Wolverines are playing. It's going to be a, a really, really fun week in the next show as well. So I can't wait, Tim, until we're back on another yeah, edition Sam, of the Michigan Basketball Insider. And, Sam, I gave you my all-Big Ten team. Next week I'm going to give you my all-national freshman basketball team. All right? All right. And we'll see if I have any more bias. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Hunter Dickinson is going to be on it. But all right, folks, <laughs> uh, be sure to tune in for that. Until then, thanks for listening to another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider.